Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Mini Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From the Abraham Lincoln Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. It is the world's largest spherical structure. 526 feet wide, 366 feet tall, able to fit 20,000 people. For months, the sphere has been projecting early images from the outside, the moon, the earth, a tennis ball, even a blinking eye. But now, for the first time, audiences going inside. The $2.3 billion project is banking on attracting audiences from around the world. U2 plans to perform 25 shows here before the end of the year. Bono telling Apple Music he hopes this will bring audiences together and closer than ever before. Yeah, that last part was such right. a, yeah i know that last part was just such a, a bono musician thing i hope it bling, brings people closer together and they recognize their similarity I mean, whatever all y'all that or, or do you do you know that you're just musicians and got a cool job but or, or, and it makes you feel better when you get up in the morning to believe that you're somehow fixing the world <laughs> anyway aside yeah, from know. that it's part of the act i guess i guess yeah. so but aside from that 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 could that thing could not look cooler I wish I had seen it from the outside uh, before in Vegas. I, I haven't been to Vegas in long enough that I haven't seen it. Uh, but from the outside, it looks amazing. Have you seen it when it does the blinking eye thing? Mm, I it's don't think like so. three and a half football fields tall and one and a half wide or whatever it is. But they made it a giant eyeball that blinks. It's the most stunning thing on the skyline in Las Vegas now, which is a heck wow. of a thing to say. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, it's changed the look of Las Vegas forever. And then the inside is as amazing if you've seen any of the footage from the U2 concert. And everybody learning that the worst seats are in many ways the best seats now. So the 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 values of the seats are flipping around a lot. Because if you got the really good seats up close, you're closer to the band. But you're going to have to like crane your neck or walk up the aisle to really get the full view. Yeah, the meme uh, that was going around earlier today I saw was uh, concert goers saying it was the most amazing thing they've ever seen and heard. Then you two showed up and ruined it. Yeah, I actually. That's very bitter. Yeah, watching the videos, um, like when I saw Dead and Company recently, I 
I, like a lot of concert goers in the modern world, found myself watching the screen more than I watched the band, because even with pretty good seats, the band was this big. But I could watch the great HD TV, and, you know, they're just bigger and close-ups and all that sort of thing. And then at some point, you got to think to yourself, why am I here? For the sound system? Because I'm watching this on television. And, yeah, and the community, but yeah, I get your point. But with this thing, with U2, it, U2's almost not on a big screen. So if you you don't have very good seats, they're just ants down there, mm-hmm. and there's no screen to watch like the old days. But you've got this amazing other show going on, and then at that point you got to wonder, well, why don't I just come and watch a cool visual show where they pump in music, right? Including you too, if you like. And I wonder, yeah, I if, don't quite get how that marriage works between the live act and the the spectacle. My prediction is it won't over time. That it's going to move away from being a concert thing to just a show. A music and then visual show because it's the coolest video show ever. I, I don't think it's going to hold up that this mm-hmm. is where I want to see whatever band that I like. Yeah. Just have you heard about sense. anybody like freaking out or getting vertigo or anything like that? I have not. Motion sickness. I wonder if they, I'll bet they, you know, given the mind boggling amount of money invested in this thing, I'll bet they research that and are pretty careful not to have too much strobing lights and that sort of thing. $2.3 billion for this venue. Yes, Michael. I was told they are projecting the bands on those giant large screens, so for what it's worth. Well, yeah, for like a second, but if you've watched any of the videos, the the all-encompassing, I'm living in the desert or out in the ocean, doesn't include the band, or that would ruin it. People would be yelling, get the band off there, I like this, I'm living in the ocean thing. Yeah, I guess, I don't don't know, I'll bet there's, there's some tweaking to be done. They'll well, they'll fine tune it, figure out what people respond to and what they don't. It, I'm not going to get to go anytime soon. I should have bought my tickets last week when they were. I should have bought the worst seats, which are now the best seats, last week when they were affordable. Because I saw LeBron James and other t- other people tweeting out, "Just went to the Sphere. It's awesome." So it's become a if you're if you're that kind of person, you got to go, and that'll mm-hmm. keep the prices very high for a while. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I'm a weirdo and a music freak, but I'd rather see you two in a small club with no spectacle, no visual, n- nothing. Just stand there and play your instruments. No, That's I need great. fire and explosions. And desert scenes. Costume changes. That's what I really go to concerts for is the costume changes. I like lots and lots of different <laughs> costumes. <laughs> wow. Wow. It's funny that I was, I was watching that weird video that Britney Spears posted last week of her with the knives. Yes, doing the knife dance. Dancing around in her boy shorts and her halter top or whatever. And it reminded me, oh, yeah, she's a a professional dancer. That's what she is more than anything. She's a model slash dancer more than she's a singer-songwriter. Oh, oh, yeah. Listen to her sing. That's fun. People will buy it, sell it. Oh, yeah, it's a different thing. It's funny that they all have the same name, like musician, but some musicians are dancers with costume changes and some are just the songs but they're all the same thing i've always loved the term recording artist for some underwear model who can warble a little and they use auto-tuned and 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 backup singers and the rest of it so you have no idea whether she can sing or not Uh, it's a professional dancer and that's fine that's honorable work if you can get it just call it that absolutely so Kevin McCarthy has conceded. He's doing he's doing a lot of gaggles, press gaggles, where he's surrounded by people from the media shouting questions of him, and he has conceded in recent moments that he expects to be ousted today. So he's not even um, like 
trying to claim that he won't be or trying to rally the troops. He said they just had a meeting. He knows the Democrats are not interested in saving him, so he expects to get booted today. What I'm trying to nail down, and I've seen different accounts about this, is uh, apparently you have to appoint a temporary speaker. He's going to make a list of five names, but then they have to choose a temporary speaker as soon as he's booted because you can't have nobody. Apparently, ever since 9-11, we changed the rules that there needs to be somebody in charge, I guess, as a succession, as as opposed to doing the business of the House, it's a succession thing. So if the president and vice president were killed, speaker of the House is president. Um, But if you don't have a speaker in the House, then you got a constitutional crisis on your hands, obviously. Right. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. I didn't know that until an hour ago. I think old Kev is thinking, there's nothing I can do about this. And they're going to bite their, you know, they're, they're cutting off their nose to spite their face. But I can't fight it, so go ahead. He's in the, it's, you know, you come across this on the golf course sometimes. You have one choice. So that's it. You're hitting it sideways. No thinking. Well, but as I mentioned earlier, his fallback position is he becomes richer than he's ever been in his life. All the recent speakers have done this. Mm-hmm. I was reading about this the other day. When John Boehner left the speakership, he was driven out. Oh, my God, the end of his political career. He went and worked for a number. Of, he goes around and gives speeches. He works for a number of entities, and he makes more money than he's ever made in his life with, made in his life with less pressure than he's probably ever had in his life. Same yeah. with uh, Cantor. Remember when he got pushed out? Oh, my God, forced out politi- a political bloodbath. Yeah, these guys, they loosen their time. They go, well, I'm done with that. I kind of didn't like it that much anyway. And then they <laughs> right. go make more money than they've ever had without the scrutiny. Right. I just happened to read this uh, journalist. I can't remember who it was, but he ran into John Boehner at some event, and he said he was tanned, happy, relaxed, looked like the happiest guy in the world. Yeah, all you, oh, only the reporters. Take a nap. Only the reporters who live and die by who's in and out in politics uh, treats these as political bundle at the end of their career devastating. It's not devastating to them. Look at Kevin McCarthy's face. Does he look like he's going to be devastated? <laughs> he knows he'll be fine. Yeah. His life will get better. He, I'm sure he likes being Speaker of the House and the power and it's cool and all that sort of stuff. But his life will be better if he gets if he has to leave Congress. He'll be richer and people will leave him alone. You know, I hate to cast dispersions on my own living, uh, my own, uh, you know, uh, profession, but the political reporting is very much like NFL reporting. I'm a big football fan. I love watching football. But I think about when my teams won, won Super Bowls, and when they lost, or when they were disappointed, or when a critical injury at the wrong time, you know, dashed their dreams, blah, blah, blah. didn't really affect my life one iota, honestly. It affected my entertainment. But when my team's out of the playoffs, I go find other entertainment. And a lot of political news reporting is the same thing. They whip it up. It's exciting. They talk about the players, who's in, who's who's winning, who's losing, who might be humiliated in the floor vote. But it doesn't affect your life. The only way I think this has any significance is if, as you said earlier, if uh, the media... Democrats, with the help of a compliant media, are, are able to make the Republican Party look like they're a mess to yeah. the casual voter out there who doesn't pay a lot of attention, and it has an effect on, um, I mean, because we were talking about the poll numbers earlier at Gallup, the Republicans have a huge lead in a number of categories. Let me bring that up again because it's pretty interesting. It's 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 even bigger than I realize. So, fifty-seven percent of respondents in this new Gallup poll 
say the Republicans are better at um, uh, handling the economy. So they've got the biggest lead they've had in many, many decades on the economy, but also on things like terrorism, military, keeping the country safe. They got a 35 a 35 point lead, um, wow. but they're just dominating in these various categories. Yet the brand could be damaged a lot going through this mess. So that's the only way I see it mattering at all. On the other hand, this is worth knowing. Both parties viewed negatively by a majority of the public. 56% of Americans view the GOP unfavorably. 58% view the Democrats unfavorably. It's within the margin of error, so called a tie. Close to 60% of Americans view both parties unfavorably. Isn't that something? That's about right. Yeah. Yeah. That is something. You know, getting back to the whole Republicans are a mess and they're fools uh, perception that the Democrats and the press will try to spread. Uh, and then, you know, they have some uh, truth on their side. It's shocking the number of voters you run into who vote based on half-baked notions that they heard somebody say. Those of us who really dig into this and maybe traffic in an idea now and again or, you know, uh, understand the Constitution, why it's supposed to work, how it's... We like to kid ourselves that most of politics is about that most most politics is dumb and grubby right we've had so many people on over the years that i remember asking them that question and they never give an honest answer because they don't want to insult their voters i guess but it's it's got to be true oh yeah almost all elections are won and lost on people that have no idea what they're talking about Right. You're frightening or enticing the herd to run in the direction you want them to run with all of the intellectual, you know, uh, rigor of a herd of beasts. <laughs> Half-baked idea they heard from a friend that's not true. That is what m- enough people vote on that sways elections. Oh. Well, that's why politicians resort to that, because it works. Yeah, it's It's kind of discouraging. It's the worst form of government, except all the others that have ever been tried. Kind of discouraging. <laughs> I was trying to put a brave face on. <laughs> yeah. I'm guessing that Kevin McCarthy's going to have a big, long drink tonight <laughs> at some point. And he's going to think to himself or say out loud, do whatever, do whatever you want to do. Go ahead. Tell me when it's over. I'll be fine. I wonder if we could get him on the air. Be awesome. We need to take a shot at it. We're old His friends. old buddies, Jack and Joe, come on. We knew him We've back dined when... to get. We broke it bread. We knew him back when he was a nobody, and we were slightly less nobodies. <laughs> but yeah, that'd be cool. I'd like to talk to him. Um, more on the way. Text line 415-295-KFTC. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the nation. Of the nation. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast 
NBA DNA with Hannah Storm digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Some more TV news. Uh, right now, the most popular show on Max is a British dating show with full frontal nudity called Naked Attraction. <laughs> Everyone's British, so the bodies are nude. It's the teeth that are blurred out. And that's, I think that's, wow. Oh, I like it. That's racism. What? That's racism against Brits. Um, so what's the point of the show, Michael? Do you know anything about it? Yeah, it's a dating show, and they show everybody naked, and you choose a mate that way. What's the purpose of the show? Is that what you said? Choose a mate. I'm not sure quite the the whole premise of it, but I do know that everybody is showing naked people so people watch. But it's a dating show where you see what people look like naked. Right. All right. Uh, we got this text. Hanson, you might have to help us out here. Oh, by the way, coming up, the best thing I've heard about the Supreme Court maybe ever in my life. It's so good. I would agree. It is so informative. Yeah. If you if you if you ever have any friends talking about the right wing court or anything like that, you need to hear this information we have coming up. And it's October. The new Supreme Court season has begun. Didn't know if you knew that. The bull ass is already flying. So we got this text, Hanson. Hey, guys, I'm a new listener. A new listener. Oh, my God. Let me get out of my knees here. Wow. I'm a new wow. listener. Thanks for listening. I'll remain upright. <laughs> so exciting that we've added rather than subtracted today. We have a new listener. Anyway, I must be doing the hot links wrong. How do I find them? I'm at the armstrongandgetty.com. So is there anything anybody needs to know? A new listener, Hanson, and treat new listeners with kid gloves. Um, <laughs> I, all right. I just but jumped how, on. Where do you find the hot links, which we regular say, regularly say things are there? Wait, it's, it's loading quite slowly. What is mm. happening here? I think there's something wrong with the website. With our website? Yeah, I was told yeah. just look for the big graphic that says hot links. Well, yeah, right up at the top, one of the, the on the little menu bar here, you don't have to click on anything. There it is, A&G's hot links, exclamation point. That can't be it. Yeah, Must I don't be know. somewhere else. That's what I would Check think. your local listings or find a young person or something. <laughs> I don't know. Find a young person. Hunter Biden pled not guilty to a gun charge in a courtroom at the same time that Donald Trump was walking into a different courtroom on whatever he's being accused of. My goodness, these are weird times. Yeah, I'd say. I would say. 
Uh, we were talking yesterday about the idea of, of uh, what were they going to do? They were going to genetically modify mosquitoes to try to eliminate mosquitoes? Well, yeah, the discussion is whether or not we should. Some people say, absolutely get rid of them. They kill more people than any beast on Earth. And other people think, yeah, there's got to be some unforeseen consequences to eliminating the beast that is the mosquito. So my friend Mike, the lawyer that I've made reference to a number of times through the years, was originally an environmental chemist. Then he thought it would help him to have a law degree in that field. Then he thought, you know, I just find the law in general even more interesting. So he became a regular lawyer. But he said he's going to put his environmental chemist hat back on. He said, regarding eliminating all the mosquitoes, this is a horrible idea with vast consequences. Reminds me of the time in the Florida Keys when they couldn't understand why all the manatees were dying off. Developers were cutting down the mangroves along the waterway. They later discovered that the leaves would fall off the mangrove trees and gave vital nutrients in the water for many species, and it was impacting the ecosystem. The same with mosquitoes and the multitude of species who rely on them as a source of food, etc., etc. As John Muir once said, when a man tugs on a single thing in nature, he finds it attached to the rest of the world. Mm, that's a good quote. Learn about it the is. Supreme Court coming up. It's good stuff. Armstrong and Getty. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Armstrong and Getty Show. A guy fairly high up in the Pentagon, not a name you would know, but a senior member of the Department of Defense Communications, guy in his 60s, was arrested yesterday and charged with participating in dogfighting. Turns out this guy, high up in the Pentagon, had been involved in dogfighting for over 20 years. Holy cow. The whole thing, all the awfulness that goes with dogfighting, he was doing as a successful high-up guy in the world's biggest office building. Boy, I'm sure I am not the only person who, as you were reading that, was like completing the sentence in my head what he was charged with, and blah, blah, blah. I did not see dog fighting coming down the, uh, right. the verbal pike. Wow, how are you like <clears throat> able to succeed in life at that level, yet are missing that chunk of, this isn't okay? Or even if I'm okay with it, it would be 
just ruinous to my life if I got caught. Wow, yeah. wow, that's that's a good point. I was kind of fixated on the moral question, but just on a purely practical level, I can't be caught doing this. Right. Wow, that's horrible. Wow, I am so into the bloodlust. I'm willing to risk my career. Wow. Wow, that's weird. Anyway, uh, they're inventing a new kind of crazy every day, as we've said for years. Found this so interesting. Sarah Isger is a bright young woman. She is an attorney. Uh, she is part of the team at the Dispatch. She's also a fellow, or whatever you call them, at the Federalist Society. And uh, she put out a video for the Federalist Society. They tweeted out, and uh, you know what? i got to find a link. Uh, I guess I sent it to Hanson. Um, we'll have that link under hot links if the website's working correctly at armstrongandgetty.com. Uh, and you can listen to it in its entirety. But her topic is the coming Supreme Court session, or season, whatever you call it, docket, um, and the popular perception, and the New York Times was just drenched in this the other day, that you've got these six fascist lunatic conservatives, couple of them Trump appointees, and the three brave, honorable liberal jurists who are fighting against the onslaught of the six bullies. Well, Sarah Isker spells it all out in a way that is uh, charming and easily understandable. There are a bunch of numbers, so you got to concentrate a little bit on the now, numbers. Keep in mind, the president of the United States called this an out-of-control extremist court. Thank you. That's an excellent point. Let's start with 40, Michael. In October term 2022, the Supreme Court released blockbuster opinions on affirmative action, free speech, immigration, and more. Depending on who you ask, this court is an extremist conservative juggernaut or liberal apologist. I'd like to argue today that a lot of the myths around the media's coverage of the Supreme Court from the right and the left aren't quite right. Roll on. The Supreme Court decided 58 cases. Half of those were decided unanimously, and nine out of 10 of them were decided with at least one liberal justice in the majority. Only five cases, 8%, were decided 6-3 with the six Republican appointees all on one side and the three Democratic appointees on the other. And that was the lowest number of ideologically split decisions in the past six years. For yet another year, Justice Kavanaugh was in the majority most often, 96% of the time. Chief Justice Roberts was next at 95% of the time. And Justice Barrett was in the majority 91% of the time. And who were the least likely to be in the majority? Justices Thomas and Alito. So 90% of the time, one of the liberal justices joined the majority. One or more. 90% of the time, half of the cases were unanimous, and only 6% were that 6-3 to three conservative bully boy, the, you know, the situation that the media is constantly describing. 6%. I wish anybody in the media would have asked KJP about this after the president made his, this is an extremist out of control court statement, or anytime anybody talks about, we need to expand the court and pack it because it's so out of balance or any of that sort of stuff, or any of the Republicans that ever get on in on any of these Sunday talk shows. I wish they were armed with these stats. Yeah, no kidding. Perhaps some of them will be, I don't know, but let's roll on. It, It keeps getting more and more interesting. These facts lead me to make a few observations. First, it's clear that political ideology doesn't explain the outcome of the vast majority of Supreme Court decisions. If you take out the unanimous cases, 
The three liberal justices voted together in fewer than a quarter of the cases. And the six conservatives voted together only 17% of the time. Way more often than not, they disagree. All the liberals or all the conservatives with each other. Yeah, yeah those blocks are not blocks. Not, well, yeah, to call them blocks. Not even is, close. Yeah. You should, you, yeah, whoever came up with that, it was wrong. Roll on, Michael. But if political ideology doesn't explain these voting patterns, what does? I think of it as two axes. At the bottom, there's the political valence of a case. But for those who study the court closely, it's hard to say that Justice Gorsuch, for example, is more conservative than Justice Kavanaugh. So why aren't they voting the same way? Because there's a second axis, and it's capturing institutional concerns, meaning they disagree on how to think about precedent or whether the effects of the outcome of a case should matter or which rules to apply when words are ambiguous. So instead of being a 6-3 conservative majority, the court is more like 3-3-3. Three, three, three. I thought that was pretty interesting. There are a lot of different approaches to judging. How awful is it that the president of the United States weakened the last remaining institution that had majority approval, the Supreme Court, by saying something that was so untrue. Yeah, to get a little momentary political juice. Whip people up, get them to contribute, get them to the polls. Yeah, it's disgusting. To act like one side, the Republicans are destroying institutions, and the other side, the Democrat is, Democrats are not, is just not true. You tore down the Supreme Court for no good reason. And the media plays along with it all the time. This crazy, out-of-control court. Oh, my God. Yeah, well, it doesn't sound too crazy and out-of-control if you break down the numbers at all. I mean, not even it's not even close. If I were a dictator, number one, I'd be a fairly benign dictator. I just, uh, I'm just, I, I don't like to be mean, uh, except on the air to people who deserve it. Um, uh, But I would absolutely dictate that everybody in the media has to watch this entire video pass a test on it, and then sign a paper indicating that they have read it and or heard it and comprehended it. <laughs> right. Uh, anyway, uh, let's do one more. Another thing I hear is that, sure, the court may be unanimous in some cases, but on the important ones, it's all political. Right off the bat, we have to ask, what makes a case important? Is it the number of people affected? Is it the economic impact? I don't think there's a right answer to this question, but if you define important as the most politically divisive, then it doesn't really do us a lot of good. The Supreme Court, for example, struck down the Biden administration's student loan debt forgiveness plan. Six justices said they didn't think that's what Congress meant when it said the Secretary of Education could waive or modify federal student loans. And more importantly, Congress could forgive these debts whenever they wanted to. It's just that the president couldn't do it without clearer congressional authorization. Now, that was a 6-3 case, and by nearly any measure, an important one. She, in a couple of sentences, explained the reality of that case in a way virtually anyone could understand. Why? Because she is not coming at it from a partisan point of view, like the media are. That, that was brilliantly explained. It's not hard. It's not, in fact, it's practically effortless. Yeah, your court cases are never described well by the media, so the overturning of Roe versus Wade is about you don't want women to get abortions, as opposed to, the, it's not the federal government's role to decide that, which is a completely well, Certainly not the federal question. courts, yeah. 
The federal courts, yeah, the federal government can pass legislation about it. But yeah, uh, it's not it's not a constitutional right is what they decided. to. But yeah, that's not the way it's interpreted. So I don't know. Back to our conversation from earlier about the least informed crowd swaying all the elections. I don't know what you do about that. I suppose nothing. This is why you really need to be cynical about politicians. All politicians, including Donald J., they understand this very well that it's not about ideas and 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 uh, you know coherent policy prescriptions and the rest of it it's about swaying people their emotions and their prejudices bingo and if we had any sense we'd get in on the business i don't know what's the matter with us stubborn <laughs> over earnest couple of putzes huh that's yeah. two uses of the word putz on today's show too many i don't feel like i could do it got to get more cynical Maybe. Um, what uh, I keep. Nah, I, you know what? I, I want to think my mom in heaven is proud of me. That's it. Look at you. Wanting if your, you think that's pathetic, well, okay. We can't be friends. Wanting your parents to be alive or past to be proud of you. Wow. Wow. As opposed to like being able to buy a couple more cars or something. Because we're on here pandering, and I just, no, no well, thanks. I'd rather drive a truck, to quote the, the great Ricky Nelson. I agree with you, obviously, but um, you can make the argument. I was looking for the book that I've got over here, the the uh, Charles Krauthammer book. Is it All That Matters? The, the Things That the Matter. Things you got to win these arguments to get anything done. That's how you can Even justify Even if they're stupid and grubby. That's right. you got to win elections. That's how you can justify it is that, look, I care about this and this and this and this, and you have to motivate stupid people to get a majority to get these things done. That's the Not system. A joke. Yeah, I suppose, uh, yeah, that's where we come down to what are we doing here. Uh, I'm not a partisan, I'm an ideologue. Oh, sure, yeah, exactly. No, yeah, well, yeah, I wasn't only speaking about what we do, but just politicians in general. That's how you can justify it, is, look, a whole bunch of money is either going to get spent or not on a cause that I care about. If I have to motivate stupid people for stupid reasons, stupid emotional reasons that don't make sense, like claiming the court is out of control mega extremist, even though I know it's not, I I still want these things to happen. That's how you justify it. And And in fevered, spicy times, the rhetoric gets even more and more fevered and spicy to get people's attention. Right. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Well, beautifully described. You're right. We will finish strong next. Armstrong and Getty. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. 
Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Armstrong and Getty Show. But we are back and we have so much news to cover, but I'm going to sum it up all in just two words. Taylor Swift. Good night, everybody. I was right. Last night, the Kansas City Chiefs played the New York Jets. And for the second weekend in a row, Taylor Swift was at the game cheering on Travis Kelsey. And if you took a drink every time they showed Taylor on TV, you're in your hangover era. <laughs> Ironically, to get tickets, Taylor had to spend six hours on the phone with Ticketmaster. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of funny. Kind of is the key word there. <laughs> I stand by my words. I'm not quite as excited that the shows are back as, wow, yeah. I don't know. It'll be interesting to see what the ratings are for those shows. If they bounce right back to where they were before, or if everybody found something else to do that's just as good. And Yeah, be careful about messing with people's habits if you profit from them. I think about that all the time with our show, because there are radio shows that, man, I was into every day for years, and when they went away, it was tough for a couple of days, but <laughs> I don't even remember they ever existed. <laughs> TV shows, yeah. radio shows, whatever. It just, you know, you move on with your life. Um, a whole bunch of people texted that, Jack, you idiot. I don't know why they always have to be so... I don't understand why when you think you're... I didn't make a mistake, but when you think you're pointing out a mistake, it always has to be, do your research, be better, you're an idiot. But anyway, um, Kevin McCarthy losing the speakership doesn't mean he's out of the house. You know, I realize that, but regularly, Nancy Pelosi's an exception, regularly when people step down from the House, they leave. Or uh, the the whole political career, and I've always wondered about this, but the, the arc of people's political careers, after they lose at their peak, they usually go away. They don't, oh, yeah. they don't hang around at a lower level. It's just, it's just a thing, for whatever reason. No, I, I agree. I think it's a virtual certainty that if he uh, actually is not the Speaker anymore, he won't run for re-election. Right. And you're, yeah. So anyway, that's that. Uh, and uh, this just out on that topic. There is going to be a vote at some point on Tuesday, today, to boot McCarthy out as Speaker of the House, as if that matters to you. Um, McCarthy ally calls Gates an a-hole as tensions between Republicans flare over motion Oof. to vacate Speaker. A- a-hole's a harsh term. It's behind closed doors, apparently. Hmm. Anyway. Sorry to hear that. I hate to hear these uh, these fine folks are angry at each other. Just came across this. This is just also across. We've been talking um, with Mike Lyons sometimes about the difficulty the armed services are having in meeting their recruitment goals. 
and young people not joining at the levels that they used to join. The Army is launching a sweeping overhaul of its recruiting to focus more on young people who have spent time in college or are job hunting earlier in their careers as it scrambles to reverse years of enlistment shortfalls. Because I guess so I guess that's to catch you during the I was going to do this, but now I don't know what I'm going to do, period. But how are they not getting those people already? That's I don't know. That's an intriguing uh, adjustment, of course. Not sure exactly what that would look like. I'm sure they've thought about it. Mm. Uh, but, yeah, I, I totally get the, uh, you know, the, the wisdom of that. that. That makes sense to me. Oh, that reminds me, probably on tomorrow's show, as we're about out of time, but there are a couple of stories about the world of work. And, and meetings and careers that are that are pretty revealing, including your bitter old Uncle Joe told you this. People are quitting their jobs at much, much, much lower rates than they were a couple of years ago. The whole quiet quitting half-ass Mondays or whatever they were calling it. <laughs> Minimum you know. Mondays? It's not half-ass Mondays. Ease in Tuesdays and lazy girl Thursdays or whatever the hell. That's <laughs> over. That is over. People have realized they have far fewer options. Employers are not as desperate as they were. Um, and so, yeah, I told you, it's going to come and it's going to go. Don't don't tell your, don't say that to your boss. Oh, too late. Yeah. You had the upper hand for a blink of an eye. Don't get used to it. Check your clock. It's time to stop. Jack and Joe, they've got to go. And if they don't, you can't, they'll be back tomorrow. Here's your host for Final Thoughts, Joe Getty. Hey, let's get a final thought from everybody on the crew to wrap things up for the day. Our technical director will lead us. Michelangelo, what's your final thought? You know, Joe, I was surprised that you thought um, going on a reality show as a senior citizen and looking for a woman was a bad idea. I think it's kind of a cool idea in some ways. It gets you out of the house, at least. Sure. (sighs) I'm not going to dignify that with a response. Uh, Katie Green, our esteemed newswoman, has a final thought. Katie? I was running errands yesterday wearing my sweatshirt that says Old School Conservative, and it has a picture of Ronald Reagan on it. Mm. And this guy, was I could see him looking at it. He walks by me, and he leans in. He goes, pretty ballsy wearing a Trump sweatshirt around here. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. I just wow. I, gave, I gave him the same look I just gave you guys and walked away. <sighs> Jack, We're a doomed. final thought for us? Yeah, we are doomed. So that Democratic congressman that got carjacked in Washington, D.C. last night at gunpoint, he said the worst part of it was they took his sushi. Now, that's kind of a flip remark, but I could see standing there after your car was taken. If you had just stopped to pick up your food and you were headed home thinking, yeah, and I'm hungry <laughs> and I got nothing to eat. They got this, my car, my phone and my sushi. It really sucks. Michael. Get clip 52 ready to play, please. I just want to remind everybody, if you find yourself in a vestibule and you're panicking, take a deep breath or two. It'll be fine. Uh, Well, that didn't work very well, but it was good in my head. Hope you enjoyed it in my head. Uh, filing a motion of to expel a member who, in a moment of panic, was trying to escape a vestibule? Give me a break. <laughs> Trapped in a vestibule, the Joe Getty story. <laughs> that is the phrase of the day. Moment of panic, panic trying to escape a vestibule. Armstrong and Getty wrapping up another grueling four-hour workday. What was the, uh, the phrase of the day the other day? Seemingly ranch. That's right, yeah. <laughs> Oh, so many people. Thanks for a little time. Go to armstrongandgetty.com. The hot links are pretty easy to find. God bless America.
Armstrong and Getty. Nice job, bro. That 80% is over. Are you sure of that, dude? When it's over, it is over. It is over. Well, yeah, what if it was an M.O.P. and a V? Give me a break. I shouldn't have to live like this. You have stolen my dreams. Lighten up, Francis. Don't fall for that crap, America! Let me say, let me say one thing. Yeah, don't have a moment of panic in the vestibule of logic. That's what I say. On that high note, thank you all very much. Armstrong and Getty. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.